Hi, everyone, and welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, along here with uh, my colleagues Amy Grubb, Brandon Toombs, and Luke Marson. And today we're talking about employee central implementation challenges and, you know, what are the common challenges and what can you do about them, right? So it's, it's easy just to say here are the challenges, but I think it's a little more uh, fruitful to talk about how we can address some of those challenges too. And hopefully, um, you know, give you some insights into how you can make your projects better and um, give you something worthwhile. Um, if we do, drop us a note and let us know. And if we don't, <laughs> let us know that too. Um, you can reach us on the site at insightcp.com insights, or you can uh, leave us some feedback on the LinkedIn page and whatnot. So um, that's that. So Luke, what would you say is one of, uh, one of the uh, employee central implementation challenges that you've come across often? And, and how do you handle that? What, what would you advise people to do? Well, there are, in, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, quite a few different areas where customers can face challenges. Um, the biggest one, I would say, is in, is in the project management, is in actually managing this whole thing. Because there's so many moving parts, and especially in the, in, in the global implementations and multinational implementations, there's a whole host of different people involved and different time zones with different cultures, different local requirements, um, you know, the way in which they want your global template designed is sometimes going to be tricky to manage between some of these different cultures. And then you've got the whole aspect of change management um, because that really has an impact in how all of these people you're managing will behave. The, the change management is going to educate each of these individuals on you know, the benefits of the project, the value proposition, what this is going to do for them, their colleagues, depending on where they are in the organization, their direct reports or their managers or whoever else. Mm -hmm. And being able to get those people engaged and excited about the project will help with their overall um, engagement in things like the design sessions and in having them really focusing when they might have to get up at five o'clock in the morning or stay up until nine o'clock at night to do a meeting and deal with people on the other side of the world who maybe have totally different um, reasons for wanting to do this project and the sort of things they want to see in the, in the final solution. So being able to manage all of that is, is, is really important. And the, the other aspect of that, of course, is, is managing people's decisions. Um, one of the things I see that delays a project more and more and more is the inability for the customer to make that final decision or sometimes to go back and want to revisit that decision. Well, yeah, I mean, everything you've been saying sounds like, um, you know, it's the challenges we faced in big projects all the time, right? And I think that even, I, I think that, because it's a cloud project, people might have some expectations that this is different, right? But it, it's not all that different from a project management and change, change management perspective because, um, you know, we still have a ton of work to do there because this is a huge change effort. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so how do you address that? What do you do? I think the best way for customers to to address this is to look for a really solid project manager, um, someone that's experienced not just in managing big projects, 
but also having some experience in managing success factors projects as well. Because although many of the topics I just talked about are maybe not specific to, to cloud projects, um, there's still a lot of elements to a project that, that, that a customer needs to focus on and look at that are based on cloud methodologies and just the way that a cloud project works and access is provisioned and all those sort of things. But having a project manager that's, that's got experience of running these global projects, somebody that's going to stay on top of people, someone that maybe they're not going to be your friend, but they're going to make this project happen, someone that's a doer. Because sometimes they're going to need to be tough. Um, they're going to need to pressure people into making a decision. And sometimes they might have to actually pick the decision based on the different, um, the, the different um, answers and decision points and what other information is coming out and just drive that decision to happen. That's just sometimes how these things work. If the customer doesn't have somebody in one of the lead positions who can who can make that decision happen or own that decision, then that's where the project manager is going to have to step in and make these things happen and drive the leads to make a decision or drive a decision to happen themselves. Um, and that's um, that's really important because that's going to keep the project on track and and make the project a success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think we can all talk about projects we've been on where there was poor decision making or slow decision making and that I mean that can lead to a project failure I think we see that in some of these uh, notable failures that make the news and you know when I look into those what I see a lot of times is just poor project management poor decision making poor engagement which is uh, you know it's everything you've touched on there so I, it, it really is a critical thing so um, so then you know customers should focus then on getting good project management in place for their projects, right? Like you said, experienced, they know the methodology, they've, they've done it before. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably one of the best preventive maintenance things a customer can do for a project, right? It's, it's, yep. it's yeah, yeah, I agree. Good, good tips. Amy, you know, with your experience, what are some of the challenges of, of employee central implementations? And, and, you know, what, what do you do to address them with your customers? Well, thanks, Steve. It's good to be here with you, Brandon and Luke. It's been a long time since our last podcast, so it's good to be back yeah, talking success factors with you guys. Here, here. It has. It has. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with Employee Central, um, I think uh, two things come to mind for me. Um, first of all, I think just comprising the right people on your team. Um you know, it's employee central is, I would say, more technical, much more involved and in depth than, say, performance and goals or even implementing recruiting. And so, you know, finding the right folks um, from your HR department, as well as relying on some um, good technical resources from IT, I think is really critical uh, to the success of the overall project. So, mm-hmm. um you know, I, I have had some employee central projects where, you know, we've really just kind of tried to power through with HR and, you know, they've done, they've done a great job, but I think, you know, if they had had um, maybe some other um, additional resources on the team to support them in areas like, you know, um, data and just kind of understanding um, the importance of the relationships that you set up in EC and, and, you know, just, all of the things that you can do 
um, I think, you know, the, the project would have been a little bit, um, smoother, not as, not as rough an experience as it, as it has turned out to be for some of my, my clients. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think definitely understanding, having a good understanding going in of what is that employee central project going to look like, especially for customers who maybe already have some modules in place. Maybe they are used, you know, they've, they've gone through performance and goal implementation. And so they're maybe approaching it in the same way. And, you know, I can speak from experience that, quite frankly, implementing performance and goals is a much easier task than implementing Employee Central. Mm -hmm. So I think just having a good understanding going in of what does the EC project really look like, what's going to be involved, uh, what, and then, you know, relying on the partner to say, hey, these are, these are some roles, role profiles of team members that you should consider having on the team Mm -hmm. um, for, for success. So, Brandon, I don't know what you've what you've seen on your projects, but <clears throat> I'd be interested in your thoughts. So, yeah. So, from a from a uh, team member standpoint, uh, I would definitely look to people that know how to connect the dots. So they not only uh, that's within HR, but also from HR to talent, the performance and goals. Especially because, as as you mentioned, a lot of companies now are are kind of going with let's go let's get our core in first and then we're going to move on to recruiting mm-hmm. then we're going to move on to to performance and goals and so it's just it's really important that you know that you have either the resource on the team that that knows those different areas and and can be kind of that serving that architect role or you have someone uh, or you have uh, people that that you can consult with um you know in a, like in an organization like cloud cpi i know that uh that you guys have plenty of, of expertise in all the different modules. And so you can probably reach out. So that would be one, one thing that I would say, um, uh, just kind of to echo to Amy's point mm-hmm. with respect to team, team members. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, sorry. That's a great point, Brandon. I would just say that, you know, we have, we have worked with some companies where we've come in maybe to do the talent implementation after they've already had employee central in and, or, or even some, you know, other modules and, we've run into some difficulties um, in implementing, you know, some of the talent pieces just because of the things that were done, decisions that were made in Employee Central. Mm -hmm. So as I always say, whenever you implement any module in SuccessFactors, if you have plans to implement any other modules after that, you really need to keep in mind and understand how all of the modules fit together and what the relationships are there, the, the dependencies on data. Um, and just, you know, have that, have, and, and you should rely on your partner for that. They should be providing that, that um, foresight and that knowledge for you so that you don't have problems downstream when you're implementing mm-hmm. other, other modules. Yeah. You know, so guys, what do you do though with um, HR departments that are so resource challenged that they might have a hard time coming up with the bandwidth to take on the roles that we're suggesting? I mean, this has happened to me since I've started consulting over 20 years ago. You you come to a, a company and, and you say, well, we need to make sure that uh, we understand your business and that your people are involved because you know your business better than anyone else. And we need your buy-in and your time on the project to do this and that. Um, but some of these companies just run so lean in their HR groups that they might not have enough bandwidth to, to do that. So... Personally, one one thing that I've done when I've been able to work with customers far enough ahead up front is 
really encouraged them to start backfilling some of these key positions with some temp or some contract labor so that they can free up some of these critical resources to work during the project. Um, you know, sometimes uh, companies aren't able to do that and, and it shows, but I'm just curious if you've had other uh, experience with that or other ideas. Well, I'll jump in on that one, um, Steve. And yes, you're right. And as far as these HR teams, I think they're getting stretched thinner and thinner as time goes on because you know we're just at, we're expected to do more with less. Uh -huh. And this really comes into play in a kind of a unique way when we start talking about uh, cloud implementations or employee central implementations. And that is because uh, a lot of times uh, we're kind of uh, in the routine now of being a little bit more remote. You know, the technology really allows for that, uh -huh. so we can we can jump on calls and video conferences and screen shares and things like that. And that's a really good thing uh, speaking as a consultant but the downside of it is a lot of times um, because you have these people that are pulled in multiple directions they've got their day job and then they're then they're maybe on two or three project teams they're having to uh, d decide what what uh, what falls by the wayside because they just don't have enough time to do everything uh, every day and so the you know the what ends up happening is because you're not sitting there beside them and someone is walking up to their desk and screaming at them that they've got this day job problem that they need to get to they're going <laughs> to jump on that day job problem and that's not going you're not going to you know the the, the project's going to suffer so you know as far as like a solution to that the the two things i would say um, and again, I'm looking at it kind of from my perspective. Number one is be absolutely clear about the time commitment and when those time commitments are and making sure that people, uh, that people know that up front. And then number two, uh, you know, hold – and that, this goes for the project team, the internal project team as, as well as the external project team. But hold people accountable for that because if you're just basically saying that it's okay and it's acceptable that uh, someone wasn't able to be on the project this week because they were busy doing other things, that's that's all well and good, but there's an implication for how what's going sure. to happen. Either you're going to have an, uh, a design that is not go is going to be underrepresented with customer requirements or you're going to be just fall behind. Yeah, good points. I agree. If anybody finds the magic solution to solving that problem, I'd like to know because it, it does seem to be a recurring theme um, on some of these projects. And, you know, and the downside is, I mean, I understand that. Like, we all understand that, you know, the life of HR professionals happens, right? And you can't, you have to address it. But right. the, the negative thing for the customer is that at the end, mm -hmm. they either, to Brandon's point, they either have a design that um, isn't, is doesn't well represent all of their requirements or they're not equipped to maintain it. And that's what I see most often is that they don't spend the time, customers mm -hmm. don't spend the time testing that they should. Um, and they, you know, they are, mm -hmm. they don't bet, you know, that, well, how am I trying to say this? Um, that impacts them negatively, you know, right? It doesn't hurt us, the consultants, when they don't test. They're just making it yep. much more difficult for themselves at the end uh, when they're live. So that that's probably the thing that I see where I see they kind of drop out, if you will, of the project most often is when it comes to the testing. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it's to their, yeah. their um, uh, yeah, it's, it's not to their benefit to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen people get really burned out too, and, and I don't like to see that for anyone. Um, so yeah, it's a challenge. So I guess the message to customers is um, kind of like what we started out is uh, 
consult your partner for what the roles are and be realistic about how you're going to fill those roles and make it work because um, good projects don't happen without good customer engagement. That's for sure. That is true. Yep. So Brandon, what do you have that you want to talk about? What some what are some challenges you've seen? Okay. Um, all right. So where where to be <laughs> where to begin <laughs> where to begin? Um, oh no. Uh, yeah, I'll try to I'll I'll try to keep this uh, short. Um, number one, I'd say, um, and again, this is unique to uh, what we can do within success factors is um, failing to take advantage of the ability to have. Uh, customers get into the system right away and by that I mean a, a, like a demo system mm -hmm. um, finally I've, I've been encouraged that this has been added to the methodology there's now called a discovery phase and you know I think that um, the it's finally the methodology is kind of catching up with that but uh, even though there's that phase there's there's really an underdeveloped sense of what should go on in that phase and and I think customers are very well served. It, you know, they're eager at the start of the project anyway. Just give them access to a system mm -hmm. and, and really integrate that into what you're doing. Let them first go in and actually just go through the system, go through a generic system, not one that's tailored for them even because that takes the pressure off. They can go yeah. in and just see what EC does and why it does it a certain way. And they're not having to make design decisions. Just let them learn how to hire someone, term, work through the workflows. And I don't care, if, even if you're an executive, just understanding that and going through the, the paces of that makes you more comfortable in making decisions. So I that's one thing I would say. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, I think the main thing, though, is the expectations that this is not what your system is, may end up looking like, right? So, um, you know, because it'll be customized, it'll be different than, than that baseline system. But it's good. Right, yeah. right. Good point. Yeah. Um, so uh, next one is, and this is also something that's kind of unique to, um, kind of unique to um, cloud implementations, but not really. And that is uh, failing to consider quarterly updates in your project plan. Mm -hmm. So we have this cadence of, of um, w within success factors now where basically um, for the, um, you know, uh, for the for the year, uh, you know, we have these four quarterly updates that, that are taking place, and uh, so that means there's one month where um, the, well, there's two months where nothing is happening, mm -hmm. um, but then there's uh, then uh, month three we already start with uh, one of your two environments, your preview environment, getting that. Uh, getting that uh, upgrade and update. And then finally, it comes to, into your uh, production environment. So the reality of the situation is, unless you have an extremely short project, you really are going to be dealing with uh, a dynamic system. And so you need to make sure that your, that your project plan uh, considers uh, the fact that there's going to be some changes that are going to happen during that project plan um, and that you you want to make sure that uh, you're considering those and adjusting your design accordingly if necessary. Yeah, so build some time in for that, right? Otherwise, you're going to get surprised. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to you yeah. have to beat the time out of something else, right? If you don't put it in there for the upgrades for the updates. Yeah, Sorry. that's that's a great one, Brandon. And I think especially like as you approach go live, and also just planning for go live, mm -hmm. like check the upgrade schedule. Right. <laughs> Don't plan your your go live for the weekend of, of an upgrade or that's very um, true. Yeah. Yeah. Or so plan your go live date around, you know, the release schedules and then understand that, you know, where your cutoff point is so that any, 
you know, you have a plan for taking advantage of those updates or, you know, enhancements mm -hmm. after go live, but plan for that in advance mm -hmm. and know where you're going to say, okay, this is the point where we say no more and we'll deal with everything after go live. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. Yep. So my, my, um, Mitigating uh, step to take on this, and this is for this is an action item that everybody in this call can take. And that is go to the community uh, site and find out when those quarterly releases get are going to be applied because that's published from now until uh, for sure through this year and, and uh, probably next year too. Go out uh, and put that on your calendar right now, and that makes it a lot easier to see. Okay, this is uh, this is the day that this mm -hmm. is that Q1 update is getting applied to preview. This is the day that Q1 update is getting applied to production. And just doing that, when you're starting to do some troubleshooting and trying to remember when things are, it's going to make your life a lot easier. So that's one mm -hmm. thing I'd recommend. That's a great point. Great point. So, Brandon, what else do you have? Uh, all right. Um, so, uh, the next thing I would say is uh, one pitfall I, I see, and this is starting to become more of a trend, and that is um, expecting the uh, too much of rapid deployment solutions. And so, what I mean by that is um, these rapid deployment solutions are, you know, in theory, they're they're a great idea. Yeah, the concept is great idea. that that we're going to load in um, and have a predefined set of um, of attributes for a for a customer, um, and then you're going to be able to use that as, as a way to kind of jumpstart your project. And and by and large, that's that's okay. Um, but what I've seen in practice, though, is uh, unless you have uh, someone. Who and, and I haven't, frankly, I haven't seen this yet. Um, but unless you have someone who is uh, willing and able to update that rapid deployment solution within um, within a, a few weeks of the quarterly release being released, uh, you're looking at probably having a rapid deployment solution that's at least two quarterly releases behind. If and, and more likely, it's probably about a year behind. And so you end up uh, with with a cutting edge design as of the last year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, what I would say is just it, it's OK to use that if you want to for for preloads, although, frankly, I, I you know, I'm I, I've seen kind of limited. I've seen those things be often more than a market, more of a marketing tool than something that someone's really, truly put in a lot of effort on. Uh, I'm sure there's a, there. That's not true of all of them. So mm -hmm. don't. Don't uh, quote me on it because I haven't. I haven't well, looked hey, at everybody's. You are, you are quoted. You're on the to podcast. Brandon Toomes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> won't be, it won't be my first complaint, uh, and, or nor but, my last. Um, but I, I but, think yeah. what, maybe what you're saying is that we, we shouldn't get our we shouldn't get expectations too high of what an, an RDS gives us, and that we also need right. to plan on keeping it up to date. And and again, it's just yeah. adding, it's setting expectations and making sure you have enough time in the plan to respond. Right. So that, right. That's yeah, more politically that's, yeah. correct, I guess, huh? Yeah, <laughs> probably is. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. What Steve well, said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a soapbox when it comes to RDS and you know, What's your cloud soapbox? in general, but success factors. Well, I mean, success factors. It's already rapidly deployed, right? Uh -huh. Just Amen. by its very nature. Amen. Yes. So you know, you don't need. Okay, and you, I'll I'll take ownership of this. I. I challenge anyone to give me a business case for purchasing a rapid deployment solution um, with success factors. You're, mm -hmm. you're buying the most um, highly configurable, scalable system on the market, and you're going to immediately limit yourself by implementing a rapid deployment solution where the configuration is defined for you. Mm 
I don't mm-hmm. get that. It, to me, they just don't seem, uh, they, those two things seem incongruent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think customers, I, I in employee central, I could maybe see, okay, you know, you're going to get some efficiencies or get a jump start, but you know, on my, my consultants, we've been doing this, all been doing this for a very long time. We, we kind of are the rapid deployment solution, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your consultants, your partners bring all that experience to your project. Mm-hmm. Um, do you really need to, to purchase something that, you know, that limits your options yeah. uh, in configuration? I, I just, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's my soapbox. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you went further than I did. Although, I mean, it's, that's kind of where I'm. That, that's kind of the point I was making. Although I don't think as artfully as you did, but but basically, I think that if you have a good uh, consultant and you name the module and you say, "Give me the top five questions that I need to have a conversation with my client about," and take those five, the answers to those five questions, and then let them go off and give them, I'd say, two days and have them. Uh, build up the system, I think you're, you would end up with a better solution, a better starting point for your project than you, than you would if you were doing a, a rapid deployment solution. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to hear right. about that. That's, anyway, we are. That's okay. That's okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, we're not here to uh, sell the software. We're here to talk about what's best for customers, you know? Right. And, and if it's best for customers, then I'm all in for it. Um, and sometimes, you know, that means, yeah, sometimes we deliver news that people may not want to hear. So yeah. one, one of the things I wanted to bring up um, that I've seen on too many projects now as, as an issue are um, the fact that the effort it takes to get the integrations going and to to implement them, to build them if they're, if they're custom ones and to test and just deploy all those integrations just seem to take longer than what people expect. So um, I guess, uh, you know, integrations are, are tough, you know, and, and before cloud software, we had interfaces, right? And interfaces proved to be uh, a nemesis for a lot of projects. And so I think don't think it's any different here. Um, but I, I would have hoped that by now we would have learned to, not to underestimate plugging these uh, packaged systems into uh companies with their custom systems and with different vendor systems you know these integrations always tend to take longer than we think so so my advice to customers would be to um, you know when you're planning those integrations um, just bump your efforts up right round everything up or add 10% or 20% to it because more than likely you're going to be eating into that uh, cushion because they usually prove to be more complicated than expected um, but that, that's, yeah, I agree yeah, with that also. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. Okay. Totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, Amy, what, yeah. what else do you have? Well, I think my other um, <clears throat> big item that I wanted to talk about was just data. Mm. And, yeah. you know, as we've kind of discussed, it's been kind of the theme of the, the podcast here is, you know, don't underestimate X, right? Don't underestimate mm-hmm. Um, the time it's going to take, the the level of the your team members and what they're going to need to do, and also don't underestimate um, what it's going to take to get your data ready. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's another thing, though, where I've seen similar integrations always takes longer than people think it will. Mm-hmm. 
um, and are the things that slow the project down and sometimes, you know, can cause go live to move because um, data is messy. Data needs to get cleaned up. Um, we don't know where all the data is sometimes. Uh, and that can really throw a wrench in. And that's true of any, right, that we all know that's true of any any system project. It's not mm -hmm. just success factors. But um, I think so, you know, just kind of planning um, well for your for the data component of Employee Central. Um, and then just understanding, taking the time to understand all of the files that are involved in loading data into Employee Central and their relationships that are involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've also struggled, have seen clients struggle with that as well. And um, so I think yeah. just, you know, taking the time to really, and, and for, for the consultants out there that listen to us, I would say, don't assume that your clients are going to get it the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and going through all the files that are involved, all the data loads, the order of the data loads, all the dependencies, that is something that you're going to have to repeat numerous times. Mm -hmm. So just prepare for that. Don't get frustrated. Um, and I think things will go much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's really good advice, particularly the, uh, that last piece. Well, actually all of it, but, but just to piggyback on that last piece for a second, the, the, there is a lot of complexity that we kind of take for granted on when we've been doing this a, a few times um, that that it just is completely uh, looks looks Greek uh, to the to the average person that's doing that's going through training for the first time on doing the conversions. Um, as a matter of fact, um, and this kind of I had this one written down too as, as one of my uh, learnings is that I I find that data and just uh, taking. Uh, calling uh, data by con by the name conversions, uh, using uh, looking at conversions, I think that most likely on most projects, the critical path um, is does not does is not like on the on premise days where the critical path was doing the build, doing the configuration, and then you know doing whatever programming and ABOP that you had that you had to do. A lot of times that was your critical path back on the on premise uh, side. In EC, what I find most often is the design because it's so much faster in EC. What what is often the critical path and is under and is underappreciated is that the conversions actually will take longer because it takes longer uh, to. For, for the customer to pull in there's like you know there's 15 different files that you need to be pulling in and uh, for the customer to be pulling that information in uh, understanding how the the interrelationships work amongst each other getting the data um, you know uh, sanitized uh, however it is that you need to do that and then mm -hmm. practicing that multiple times that is a heck of a lot harder than what we have to do a lot of times on the employee central side which is maybe we're just adjusting a field here or there and adding some business rules that part is a lot easier. So I, yeah. I you know, I would just say that uh, bear in mind that you know, as you're putting those project plans together, right after you're getting that initial pass at you know that iteration one of your design, you really need to jump on conversions right then and expect mm -hmm. that to be kind of what you're managing to from from there on out, um, especially through uh, on up until you get to integration testing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's never too early to start on data. That's, that's what I've learned over the years. And um, when I'm doing a project that has payroll in it, my rule of thumb is um, three data migrations, three test migrations before 
integration testing slash parallel, right? So before you start parallel testing, we've done the data migration at least three times because every time you do it, you learn something, right? I mean, you might cleanse the data. You might think you have it figured out, but then you load it and you start working with it and you figure out that you have to change something. So, so that's been my rule of thumb for quite a while now. Let's, let's do three iterations of data migration before we go into parallel testing or UAT, right? So then um, at least then we have a, we, we feel confident about the data migration that we have and we can focus then on the actual process, right? And, and not be concerned so much that having, you know, did this process fail because it was bad data or did it fail because it's a bad process? So it's uh, never too early to start. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, um, I think we've given listeners um, some, some good things to think about. Um, there's a lot to do here. And, and you know, I think uh, just because it's cloud software doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of these things a tr traditional product has. And, um, and then again, because it is cloud software, you have some additional things to manage, like uh, we were talking about with the updates. And, and just the whole iteration process, right, Brandon? That's something new for a lot of people to, to work with and to manage expectations. Well, everyone, thanks for your participation and for all your, your uh, conversation and ideas and feedback. Um, I appreciate it. And we'll uh, move on to another topic pretty soon in another podcast. Thanks. Have a good one. I think we should all pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> <laughs>